are you addicted to stress? No, really. Like, are you addicted to stress? Because today we're talking all about stress with Jill Halliday. We had her on a past episode and I'm so excited to have her back. So get ready, take some notes, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Creative Grace Podcast with your host, Anna. Each week, I will be bringing on people who have inspired me to help you live your best life. With a strong community and Jesus by your side, life can be beautiful in the midst of the mess. Stay tuned for episodes where grace is held for everyone in the conversation because no person's path is identical to another. Hey, Jill. So excited to have you on today's episode. We are going to be talking about stress and you are the queen of knowing what stress means and like how we can manage it and stuff like that. So go ahead for the listeners that don't know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, Anna. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm really excited to be back on the podcast and talking about stress today. So yeah, my name is Jill Halliday. I'm a certified holistic nutrition coach, and I'm further working to become a certified holistic nutritionist and a registered holistic nutrition practitioner. So stress is actually one of my favorite topics to discuss because it really affects so many aspects of the body in things like how we respond to life situations, how we feel day to day, how well we absorb our nutrients, and if we can meet our goals and such, and just honestly so much more. So four topics that I'm really gonna be focusing on today are signs of chronic stress, signs you're addicted to stress, nutrient deficiencies which cause or exacerbate stress, and then lastly, some whole body holistic tips for reducing stress in the body. So we're talking about a lot of heavy topics today. So I really encourage people to take notes if this is something they think they could benefit from. Yeah, I'm happy that we decided to throw this episode in um, just because like stress is something we all deal with. No matter what we're going, no matter like any type of walk of life, like there's always a different type of stress, no matter if you're like in school or you're, um, you know, starting a new career, or maybe you're just staying at home with kids. Like there's just so many different ways that you can be stressed. So I'm excited to kind of just dive in and hear more. Exactly. Like there really are just so many different types of stress, um, just from physical to emotional to, you know, minor to severe. There's just so many different types. Yes. So the what I want to talk about first is there's two different types of stress. Uh, The first one being acute stress, which is a quick short-term response to a stressor that our body recovers from really quickly. So examples of this would be maybe like realizing you slept through your alarm clock or getting in a fender bender or having to do a presentation or maybe getting a minor injury. Anything that really increases the heart rate, gets you sweating, it gives you an upset stomach. We all know that feeling. (laughs) It's like this podcast. (laughs) When I'm first starting it, it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. That's like a, it's a little bit stressful. I'm getting better at it. And I think you feel the same way in ascent. We don't want to mess up. I can feel that for sure. <laughs> exactly. Right now I'm doing the podcast and I'm feeling kind of that little bit of a fight or flight response, but you just have to deep breathe and work your way through it. <laughs> so, and the thing about that acute stress is it really relieves itself immediately once that stressor is removed. So uh, that On the other hand, we have chronic stress, which is a continual long-term response to a stressor, which is difficult for the body to recover from. 
So on the other hand, like that would be emotional stressors like trauma or family issues, a demanding job or relationship problems, and then like some physical stressors being maybe under eating or over exercise or even nutrient deficiency. So that's the form of stress that we're really going to be addressing today. I feel like that's the stress that is more damaging. Yes, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it really is. Chronically, chronic stress is going to have a lot of long-term repercussions on the body and can even lead to illness and disease. So this is something that we really want to get a hold of as early as we can and really learn the coping mechanisms to refrain from having so much stress day to day. For sure, for sure. So now I'm going to jump into some signs of chronic stress, which can actually be really similar to acute stress, except it puts more pressure on the body for an extended period of time. So, of course, chronic stress is the symptoms can be very extensive and, of course, very unique to each individual. So here I'm just going to list a few of the like common or relatable ones that many will probably recognize. So some signs of chronic stress could include like having a poor stress response. So think maybe being very reactive in situations versus responsive in a situation. Also feeling easily agitated or irritated, feeling worried or nervous, having low energy or frequent fatigue, heart palpitations or chest pain, insomnia, lowered libido, getting sick often, actually being addicted to stress, which we'll talk about here in a moment. And then also a huge one is nutrient deficiencies. So some common nutrients that stress itself can deplete are vitamins B6, vitamin C, as well as minerals, magnesium, sodium, potassium, zinc, and iron. I think it's kind of interesting how like deficiencies in different nutrients can actually cause you to like your symptoms of stress to be worse. Like I know you're telling me about that earlier and I was like, oh my gosh, like, well, that's the reason why I was so stressed in certain seasons of my life when I, um, you know, didn't have the proper vitamin intake. I wasn't eating very well. And that can also go hand in hand if like there's a college student that, um, you know, has like their job or and on top of that, they're working long. Yes. So they're working long hours and then they're studying a ton and then they're not eating well. So that all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. It's the perfect storm, really, especially when we don't have just one major stressor. But like you said, a lot of people have many. And so when you already have these outside stressors, you can't really control. And then you have additional stressors, which are in our control, but are sometimes hard to manage, like making sure you eat enough or things like that. You know, it really is it just or getting certain nutrients. Uh, it really just helps to pay attention to these things, be aware of them. So that way you can help change your stress response, because really, it might not just be your personality trait. It could just be a nutrient deficiency. Yeah, that's a good point. So now I'm actually going to talk about how it's actually possible to become addicted to your body's stress response. So I'm first going to talk about the reasoning of why this occurs and then signs that you may be addicted to stress. So this stems from the body's autonomic nervous system, which is divided into the parasympathetic or rest and digest state and the sympathetic fight or flight state. So when our body is not influenced by stress, we're in that parasympathetic rest and digest state. This is where our body's in homeostasis, no danger is sensed, all healthy body systems are running smoothly, our breath is nice and slow and controlled, heart rate, blood pressure, exactly, where everything's stable, our digestive system is active and functioning. That's a really important one. So on the other hand, when our body is under stress, 
the sympathetic fight or flight state is triggered. So this is when we're not in homeostasis. The body senses danger. Our breathing is fast and shallow. Heart rate, blood pressure, blood sugar, all going to increase. Digestive system, as well as any other systems not important for immediate survival in that moment, are temporarily going to actually be inactive and unable to function. So and then one more thing here that really is key in this sympathetic state is our body is going to release hormones, cortisol, epinephrine, and norepinephrine to help the body survive during that quote-unquote perceived life-threatening event. So the problem with this is the nervous system can't distinguish between the severity of our stressors. So the body releases hormones whether we really need them or not. So picture maybe you're dangling from a 2,000-foot cliff and your <laughs> hormones are going to be released to increase your heart rate, your blood pressure, your blood sugar, dilate your pupils, and give you a burst of energy to help increase your survival rate in that moment. So since the body can't distinguish between what our kind of stressors are, we're going to get that same rush of hormones from something causing that same amount of stress but isn't as severe, so something like a meeting. So when those hormones are, the more those hormones are released, um, the more often, I'm sorry, the more often we're stressed, the more those hormones are going to be released, and our cortisol then becomes a hormone our bodies rely on and even crave. Yeah, and I heard stress can also cause you to, um, it, it's hard to lose weight when you're constantly stressed because of all that cortisol. That's correct, yeah, and your body really, when your body thinks you're that stressed, the last thing it really wants to do is lose weight because it may fear that you're in danger, so weight loss is really a low priority to the body when it thinks you're about to die. <laughs> yeah, so if you're on a journey to, you know, a healthier weight, I mean, first look at your stress levels, look at your environment. Yes, you absolutely have to. It's imperative. And I think some people, and I've been guilty of this too, where I think, oh, it's just stress. I'm doing everything right, blah, 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 or stress can't affect it, but it absolutely can. So it is something we really have to address. For sure. So from here, I'm going to be giving some signs that you may be addicted to stress or more so that cortisol release. So some of these signs could be thriving on tight deadlines or waiting until the last minute to complete tasks. So kind of being a procrastinator <laughs> or finding it difficult to relax, feeling stressed when you're not connected to your phone or computer. So another one could be having a hard time turning off your brain at night or feeling as if you don't have enough time to get everything done during the day, always needing caffeine to function, seeking out stressful events. So maybe like the news or even drama, like we all know those people. <laughs> they could just be really stressed, give them a break. But also feeling the need um, to wake up extremely early, like such as to exercise, to get that release in cortisol that our body is craving. That's interesting because I know when my mind's kind of racing and stuff at the end of the day, or I feel like I haven't gotten anything done because I'm going from plan A to plan B to plan C to plan whatever, um, sometimes I mistake in that and think that I have like ADHD or ADD, you know what I mean? And you just kind of like think that because you're like, well, my mind's kind of racing and I can't relax at night. And so tell us like the difference like between if I don't know, like, is it ADD, ADHD, or do you think it is just that being, you know, stressed, overstressed? Sure. Well, and both can honestly be related to certain like nutrients. So that's interesting too. And I will first preface by saying, if you do think that is a factor for you, ADHD or anything like that, I would highly recommend going to your doctor first. Of course, you know, if something like that is going to be the case, 
you'd really want to get diagnosed before you start diving in and trying to um, fix the root cause of what's causing some of these things. So that would be my first, you know, um, suggestion for that. But also, I would say, if you're not ready for that yet, trying to do some of these stress reducing techniques that we will recommend and seeing where that gets you. If it's helping you at all, then that really may just be something that could be chronic stress. But if it's not resolving, then it could be something more serious going on. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because I know sometimes if you go to the doctors, it's like they'll give you, um, you know, prescription and they'll say, here, take this. But I think maybe looking at your stress and looking at, okay, let's kind of help figure out things that we can reduce our stress first before you go to the doctor. Um, And then obviously that it's not helping off on your own, then see someone. And I think that's nice, too, because a lot of people I know have came to me and said that they don't have the money to go straight to a naturopathic doctor to kind of get to the root cause of things. Mm -hmm. So I think when you can just kind of be in the know and inform yourself on things like this, trying out things at home first to see what really helps and if anything's making any adjustments for you before you can kind of call the doctor and say, I did try this already and it's not working. So that can go a long way for a lot of people. Yeah, that's good. So next I'm gonna talk about nutrient deficiencies which actually exacerbate or cause stress. So we talked about how stress itself can deplete nutrients, but certain depletion of actual nutrients can cause stress itself and also trigger anxiety and depression too, which is something I know a lot of people struggle with but maybe aren't aware of. So um, obviously so many different nutrients play so many different roles in the body, stress included. So I'm gonna just touch on some of the big ones here. I'm gonna address some sources that you can get some of these nutrients and then also provide some supplemental considerations for each. That sounds good. So the first one is magnesium. Magnesium is considered the anti-stress mineral. It's my very favorite mineral for this reason. So magnesium helps control the body's stress response is really where that comes into play. So some sources of magnesium where you can just get them through food or topically is dark chocolate, cacao powder, bananas, dairy products, bone broth, avocado. And then, like I mentioned, topically through maybe Epsom salt baths. And there's even sprays and lotions. So magnesium sprays and lotions that you could experiment with. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Because I know, you, you know, your skin absorbs everything, but you don't think that you can take your vitamins in that way. That's exactly it. And, you know, I heard um, the sprays themselves can be a little intense. I haven't tried them, so that's just a fair warning. But (laughs) I heard mixing it with lotion helps or just using the magnesium lotion opposed to jumping right into the spray. So I'd be interested in hearing if anybody tries it. (laughs) Yeah, I've taken the capsules and stuff for magnesium. Um, I didn't realize how low I was in magnesium and I was getting a little vertigo and they recommended that. Um, And you don't realize, like, if you don't take those things. You don't, you don't realize what you're really missing out until yeah, you start. Magnesium plays, I believe it's like 300 different chemical reactions in the body. So it's a really wow. important one. Yeah, exactly. So uh, definitely a good one to supplement with for most people because honestly, even though it's found in a lot of different foods, just due to soil depletion and such like that, we're not really getting enough day to day. So that is one supplement that's usually recommended for most people. Yeah, and I also don't think it's in a lot of just regular day-to-day vitamins, like your multivitamin. There's really not that much, so making sure that you check what's in your multivitamin, um, and then if there's not that much, definitely adding in a little bit of supplements, because that's what I did, is I was taking one vitamin, and it only was like 10%, and so I added in that magnesium. And it also helps, too, 
with, um, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure if you're feeling achy and stuff, magnesium is also going to help you feel a little bit less achy, feel, you know, just feel better. Yes, you're right. And that's a good point you made about the multivitamins, because you really do have to check on what you're getting. You think, I'm going to have everything I need from this. But honestly, those oftentimes, you're right, don't even really include magnesium, I found myself. So yeah, that's a really good point. And as far as the achiness and, and such like that, it really plays a big role in your nerve and muscle function. So when you are feeling crampy or achy, sore muscles, sore, sore joints, that can be a sign that you do need to increase your magnesium. So of course, the Epsom salt baths are great or just taking them orally as well is great too. Yeah. And then I want to really quickly touch on and just the different forms of magnesium, because this is something a lot of people can kind of get hung up on when they're looking for a magnesium supplement. There are a lot of different forms that all serve different purposes. So I'm just going to touch on four important ones. So or I should say four popular ones, I'll say. So the first one you might want to look for is magnesium bicarbonate. And this is one of the best absorbed forms of magnesium. So that's just an overall great one to look for if you're not really sure which other ones to search for. Another one is magnesium malate, which is an energizing form of magnesium. The next one would be magnesium glycinate, which is the relaxing form, the one you'd want to take before bed, because most minerals are kind of relaxing to the body. You'd want to take them before bed. And then the last one is magnesium citrate, which is the one that people would use for constipation relief. I know magnesium kind of like that's something people often take magnesium for. So that's the supplement. Yeah, form be careful you want if to you're use. taking too much. I've heard yes. if you take too much, you'll actually you grab your brains out. <laughs> yeah, same with vitamin C. People don't realize that, too. They're like, oh, I'm like having this issue it's like are you getting like a lot of vitamin c i heard too if you take it if you take magnesium with like iron that will actually help because like iron will like make your poop harder (laughs) so you have the two like it kind of like evens it out i guess like cancels out yeah like what people have said yeah well that's what i've heard and so i'm just gonna keep doing that (laughs) yeah if it works for you then just roll with it because everybody is different so i mean if it works for you then great yeah, so you talk a little bit about like all different types of magnesium um, and they're all like different forms. How do you know like what supplements are going to have all of those forms? Like what is the most common form that people take and like what kind of, I guess, supplement for that? Because some of this is like so science that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm looking yes. at all of these different magnesiums and I'm like, what? It can be really overwhelming. And I feel like if none of those four points kind of resonate with something that you're trying to accomplish, I would really just stick with that magnesium bicarbonate form. Like I said, that's the most easily absorbed by the body. And you can also find it frequently in a liquid form. I've personally heard it doesn't taste that great. So just down it with some juice or something like that and call it a day if that's the case. (laughs) Would you recommend taking stuff like that daily or would you recommend taking it like a monthly if it's like super strong like that? Because I know for my magnesium, um, my chiropractor was having me take magnesium and I had to take six capsules a day and they were like horse pills. And so I ended up just cutting in half and then now I only do like one or two a day. Um, I'm kind of bad with taking you know, pills. Well, and that just depends on the dosage of the brand that you get. So I can't really like say for that. It depends how many, yeah, milligrams are in there, but I obviously on the bottle, it's going to tell you how many to take. And often it will tell you if you take one per day, two per day. So I would follow the bottle, or if you're really not sure if you're nervous about this, talk to your doctor. They'll know best for your body specifically. That's a good point. Yeah. 
So the next mineral I'm going to be talking about here is zinc. So zinc helps to maintain our cortisol levels as well as aids in the production of GABA, which is a mood regulating neurotransmitter. So kind of a big phrase there, but it makes us happy. <laughs> so some sources of zinc are going to be red meat, poultry, oysters, crab, pork, whole grains, and some pumpkin seeds. And this is um, something that's really important to mention with zinc, and it kind of can go over people's heads. So I'm going to try to put it in a way that's just really easy to understand and process is that low zinc can lead to high levels of copper because they're antagonistic minerals. They affect each other. So high or low levels of zinc can lead to high levels of copper, which can cause additional stress on the body. However, high levels of zinc with low levels of copper are not good either. So it's really important to find a balance of those two minerals. That's interesting. Yeah. So and then in general, just if people are a little bit confused by this, a good rule of thumb that you can use is 15 milligrams of zinc for every one milligram of copper. So the next mineral I'm going to be moving on to is iron. So iron is essential in producing hemoglobin, which helps our red blood cells carry oxygen throughout the entire body. So obviously very important. When our iron is low, we're going to produce less hemoglobin, and then our cells are not going to have as much oxygen, which of course is going to stress the body. Yeah, I know when I was low in iron, I was feeling so tired. And like, I mean, I had eight hours of sleep. And I felt like I could not function. And I didn't know I was low on iron. I was just like, I know I went fly fishing with my husband. And I was like literally sitting in the river. I'm like, I can't do anything. Like, you can fly fish. I'm going to stay here. I feel like I'm going to like pass out. And I would be super lightheaded. And then I got home. And then I was like, you know, I'm gonna sh somebody mentioned something about iron levels. And then they do say that if you take a penny or a nickel or whatever it is, you put it across your cheek. You can see if it leaves a line then that means that you're low in iron. And so I did that and it was dark and I was like, okay, I need a little bit of iron. And so I took iron and, um, oh my gosh, the difference, or even like, even that evening I had a burger and I was like, I feel like a new lady. Like I feel way different. <laughs> That's so interesting. Isn't it crazy how just like a mineral can affect us so much like that? Yeah, yeah, there that was, was one thing that really affected me. Yeah, yeah, there was a time where my husband and I went pescatarian for just like a short amount of time. Uh -huh. And so like I obviously I'm used to eating a lot of red meat. It just works well with my body. And I wasn't then. And I swear my iron was just so low. I almost fell asleep at a stoplight two times, like two different occasions. I'm like, OK, I'm like, I'm going back to hamburgers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm a hamburger gal. I love my taco meat. Like, yes, yes, yeah, yes. no, I'm, I'm all for like, if you want to be a vegan, if you want to be vegetarian, but man, I don't think I could do it. I really don't. Right. And like, yeah, that's just where I always say that, like, bioindividuality, everybody is so different. So it works well for somebody would might be totally awful for somebody else. So it's just, I just try not to judge anybody in any way that makes them feel good. That's exactly right. So and something interesting, too, with iron that people need to kind of monitor too is that um, there's two different forms of iron so some sources so there's heme iron which comes from animal sources like we're talking about and then non-heme iron so heme iron coming from animal sources is more absorbable by the body so if you are low on iron then these forms are going to help raise your levels more quickly so that'd be beef pork poultry organ meats things like that and then that non-heme iron coming more from plants so 
spinach, beans, lentils, and enriched foods. But these are not the best source, but of course, it's still there. I know you said it absorbs quick, quicker um, when you have like more of like the poultry um, stuff. And I can really like it really resonates in my life with having that burger. It was like all of a sudden I was like, I feel alive. And so, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yes, I can totally relate to you there. I feel my body's that same type of way where I just it seems to thrive on me ever since I was a child. Like I wouldn't eat dinner unless there was meat on my plate. <laughs> Yes, that is my husband. He <laughs> needs to have meat. I am a little bit that way, but it's okay if I have other type of form as well. Right. Yes, yeah. so I've, I've grown to like mature like my palate a little. He, oh, I love carbs. I could talk we about all carbs do. all day. <laughs> so yeah. So and then when it comes to supplementing with iron, um, I want to mention that women are more likely to be iron deficient because the way we lose iron in the body is through bleeding. So men don't bleed monthly like women do. So they hold onto their iron. It's not usually recommended that men consume iron supplements unless of course recommended by their doctor. So women are more likely to be iron deficient. So that's something to pay attention to women. If you're having a really heavy cycle regularly and you're feeling really tired, but you're getting enough sleep and you just have some of those signs of iron deficiency anemia, might be something to talk to your doctor about. I'm sure also plays into genetics too, you know, not just losing a lot of blood, but I think it also like it, just in your genetics. I know my mom, she's always iron deficient and so am I. Um, I'm good now that I supplement, but um, yeah, genetics. Genetics too. And just another, this is just a further kind of like bonus if anyone's really interested in these whole vitamin and mineral topics here. But sometimes the body isn't actually deficient in iron. We might be deficient in vitamin A and copper because together these two nutrients help in our iron movement and recycling in the body. So sometimes we're not even deficient in iron. We might just be deficient or lacking in some vitamin A and copper. So something else to kind of mention to your doctor if maybe you feel like you have low iron, but your iron levels come back normal might just be something that you could mention to them to have them check as well. Are there certain vitamins that like help you absorb iron better? Iron and vitamin C together. Okay. Yes. So if you, yes. So if you want to, if you want to absorb iron, then vitamin C is going to be a really beneficial nutrient to eat along with iron. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. So if you're taking a um, supplement, make sure that you also have high levels of those vitamins. Yeah. So, or even if you're eating, you know, like bacon with your breakfast and a side of orange juice will help you absorb that iron better. Good point. So the next and last vitamin I'm going to be talking about here is vitamin B. So vitamin B is actually has the largest effect of on stress on our body. And all eight of the B vitamins actually play a role in stress regulation. So some sources overall, they vary per each B vitamin, but overall you can get B vitamins from red meat, liver, seafood, poultry, eggs, dairy products, leafy greens, seeds, and nutritional yeast is another one. So something I just want to mention with the supplementation of B vitamins is taking one specific B vitamin can create an imbalance with other B vitamins. So if you do need to supplement, it's best to take a B vitamin complex supplement. So yeah, with that, that's everything. I just kind of want to give a dis disclaimer in this section in that if you really feel that you do have any of these deficiencies or they're an issue for you, I really recommend going through your doctor or primary care physician to just check your nutrient blood, blood levels before you decide to supplement. Just every, like I said, every body is different. Your doctor knows your history and if it's something that you should consider. 
Yeah, it's good to have that multivitamin stuff all the time, but there are some things where they do say, um, you know, sometimes too much vitamins is not good. Um, I know some are water soluble, but some are fat soluble. And it's good to, you know, if you have more water soluble vitamins like vitamin C, and I'm not sure exactly the other ones, you're, you can just pee them out. But if you have more fat soluble, it, it can harm the body. So talk That's a little right. bit about that. Yeah, so vitamins A, D, E, and K are all fat-soluble vitamins, which you do really need to be careful of when supplementing with because these vitamins will store themselves in the fatty tissues of our body and will not be readily excreted versus the water-soluble vitamins B and C will be excreted in like the urine. So it is really something to be mindful of. And then also when it comes to multi um, multivitamins, if you do want to decide to supplement with a multivitamin, it's really best if you can look for an option that includes whole food sources of the vitamins that they include, vitamins and minerals they include. Um, just simply because, just as an example, vitamin C, ascorbic acid, is usually what you'll find on a B vitamin supplement. A lot of that can come from GMO corn. So it's just a really poor source of vitamin C, and it's going to have those chemicals as such when it's not coming from a good non-GMO or an organic source. I think that's a good take on it and to not just pick the tasty gummy ones. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure sometimes those tasty gummy ones aren't actually as good as they seem. For sure. Um, something else, and this is something I've been experimenting with, and actually, Anna, you and I talked about this on a message once, but I actually started incorporating, and please no judgments, but um, beef liver supplement, because beef <laughs> liver actually has a lot of good nutrients in it, um, but I'm not interested in just eating beef liver, so I have started by taking some of the supplements. No judgment. <laughs> yeah, like a couple times you. a week, and they are like, they're raunch, like I like have to plug my nose, and I'm like, man, this is just a capsule, I can't imagine. Imagine. like some people eat it raw and I'm like wow oh, that's crazy like pat yeah. on the back for you <laughs> no that's how I feel when I'm taking iron pills like you can taste the iron almost tastes like there's like blood like do not like if you yeah. take an iron supplement throw it back there with orange juice if you just <laughs> take it with water you will you will puke metallic. I always whip it down with orange juice or something yeah. else like candy or just something anything <laughs> no it gets really ill some vitamins are terrible, and that is literally why um, I will just take it in capsule form. Yeah. Or just like I'll throw different things like sunflower seeds that have certain vitamins in them, or almonds. I'll throw that all into my morning shake. Um, and so I get them more from like the actual source too. That's always my top recommendation is to try as best as you can to get all your vitamins and minerals from whole food sources just in the foods we eat. It's the safest way to do it. You're very unlikely to be eating the foods that we would eat. You're not going to have an issue as much so with, you know, um, intoxic not intoxication, <laughs> but with like toxicity of these certain mm -hmm. vitamins and minerals. So yeah, sure. just whole food sources are always my top recommendation if and when you can. But of course, I understand. Yeah. It's difficult. Even I have a hard time too. So I totally understand where people come from with this. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you have a rough day with what you're eating and you just eat a lot of junk food or whatever it is. So it's hard to get in that. So it is still, um, you know, you just got to figure out what works best for you. 
Yeah, I really, with that, just something that really does help for me and might help with others is I really try to focus on when I'm eating through the day is focus first on filling up on those nutritious foods so that way my body's getting what it needs. And then when I want something sweet or something that has pretty much no nutrients, like I'm not sweating it. I know I already got my nutrients for the day. Now this is just sure. Yeah. 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 So what kind of other like brands would you recommend when it comes to like vitamins? Because there's all different types. Um, I know I did I my chiropractor, they were recommending standard process. Um, that one was a okay. good brand. Um, I've taken like Ollie vitamins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard of those. Um, there's all different, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of good out there and there might be some that aren't the best. Um, but what are ones that you would personally recommend? Yeah, so I actually have kind of a hard time recommending just one overall brand because depending on the vitamins, sometimes they'll add something in there, maybe like for taste or sweetness or something that personally I just wouldn't like in the supplement. Um, but overall, I would say now supplements is a brand that like my family and I have used for a really long time. Nature Sunshine is another one that usually has some pretty great vitamins. Um, when it comes to minerals, I believe it's called Trace Minerals is the actual brand of it. I've been using that one for my probiotic supplement. Um, they also have like a magnesium supplement and such. So it really just depends on exactly what you're using. But my recommendation overall is look for whole food sources, organic vitamins if you can, or at least non-GMO. Um, yeah, those are really going to be probably my top tips when it comes to picking out a vitamin. Also, the least ingredients, the better in those capsules. Yeah. And I think also um, following Jill on Instagram will also give you good little snippets when it comes to what she uses. I know you recommended a protein powder to me and I literally love it. I have it every day and it's been really hard to like find protein powder that I like. I've been bouncing around a lot between them. Um, so if you have questions and stuff, you can DM her and she's happy to answer and give you kind of that direction. More than happy to help. I am so more than happy to help. And often I'll share, like you'd said, Anna, I share products on there that I've been hunting for, like a protein powder or something. It takes me a long time to find some of these things that I like. I'm like in between protein bars right now. I can't find a protein bar that like hits all like the spots that I'm really looking for. But when I find one, I will be sharing it with everybody. <laughs> yes. I'm happy that I have a health guru that I can like reach out to. I know I was a health guru for myself and I still am, but I um, don't really care for the researching like I used to. And so I'd rather just ask a question and like to see what you like and what you've already done research on. So I'm happy for that. Yes, I love it. I'm happy to put all this knowledge that I'm learning every day to good use because I just I'm really eager to share it with people. So anytime anyone has a question, please feel free to reach out to me. So the last section I'm going to be talking about here are five tips to reduce stress in the body from a holistic approach. So really addressing that mind, body, and spirit. So the first one is going to be stimulating the vagus nerve, which will in turn stimulate the parasympathetic or rest and digest nervous system. So this can really reduce our body's stress response. It can reduce our heart rate and blood pressure, reduce inflammation, and it even regulates emotion by influencing the limbic system in our brain. So some tips to simulate the vagus nerve include deep breathing. So really de controlled deep breaths, at least taking 10 at a time there to really focus on. Even massage, yoga or exercise, stretching the neck side to side stimulates the vagus nerve. So that just already kind of feels good when you do that. 
um, meditation, as well as humming and singing all stimulate that vagus nerve in the body. So these are really great tips to use before you eat, because if you recall, when we're in that fight or flight mode, our digestive system really shuts down and we don't digest meals properly or absorb nutrients well. So stimulating the vagus nerve before eating our snacks or meals can really help improve our digestion. I think a good thing that, or I think a good thing to kind of point on is stretching throughout the day. So getting up, stretching after every hour, I know it sounds like a lot, or maybe not every hour, but maybe every three hours. Um, and so that will help stimulate that. Um, and you're taking, you know, you're getting snacks all throughout the day. So having that little bit of stretch. Yes. Sometimes the simplest things that we can do can really have the biggest impact that we really overlook. So you're right. Stretching is just one of those things that can really also get the lymph in the body really flowing when we're sitting all day long, which can affect so much in the body. So stretching is huge. So the next tip I have here to reduce stress is to prioritize your gut health. So if you believe you have any issues with your gut, so maybe you have poor digestion, you think maybe you're not absorbing nutrients properly, maybe you think your stomach acid might be low in the form of having acid reflux, um, even, like I said, gas bloating, mood disturbances, also huge here because our gut health directly impacts our mental health because our good gut bacteria or a healthy gut microbiome helps create those mood-boosting boost neurotransmitters like serotonin, GABA, and dopamine. And actually, 95% of the serotonin in our body is estimated to be in the gut and only 5% in the brain. Yeah, they always say fix your gut. And that will help fix your mind and your mental health and stuff. It sure will. It's something that should never go overlooked when you're having any kind of mental or mood disturbances, anything like that. And further, if you really do think gut health to be a big issue for you, that is something that really should be addressed. And something that you can use is called the 5R protocol. It's a functional way to kind of address your gut health and where you remove certain foods and additives and such, and then as well as repopulate the gut with good bacteria again. So something to look into if you're interested. If you want more questions or have questions on that, then you feel free to reach out to me. And then the third tip I have here is to prioritize your mental health. Of course, prioritize your mental health. Some states of life, obviously, just so much more stressful than others, or sometimes we can be in that chronic stress mode where we're just constantly stressed. And this is where I really want to encourage people to please be per, just be flexible with yourself, be more understanding, take it really easy on yourself. For example, if you know you're having a really stressed out week, maybe it's exam week, maybe your child isn't sleeping well that through that week or anything like that, just really give yourself some, some grace. If you're used to working out four, work, four workouts per week, drop it down to one, drop it down to none. Or if you have vacation days saved up at work, take some time for yourself, a day or two to just focus on self-care or just do anything that'll really fill your own cup. And also, of course, seek professional help. If you really think mental health, mental health here to be one of your greatest weaknesses, I really encourage you to seek professional help. There's so many helpful people out there that it just really could make a really big impact on your life. Yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. And then my fourth habit here I have is break the damaging habit, or I'm sorry, the fourth tip that I have here is to break the damaging habit we have of picking up our phone in every spare moment of the day. We really, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, I have such a bad habit with that. My work is on my phone and it's like, you're on it all the time and oh, it's addicting. You're not the only one. I think this is more common than it's uncommon, honestly, but we really, if, if, 
people realize, I think we're spending every nook and cranny of our day filling it with phone time. Just any spare moment we have, we grab our phone just habitually almost. So we're constantly getting the stimulation time and time again. And often it's not even good stimulation. It's negative. It's the news. It's what's happening in the world and it's hurting us. It's not, it's not making us feel good overall. So I really want to encourage people to just relearn to kind of sit in the silence. If you have five minutes, just sit in the silence and get bored, man. Like, just remember what it feels like to get bored, you know, or step outside, take some breath. You're in that parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And when you go to take a break, I mean, I should be preaching this to myself. (laughs) When you take a break, don't go on your phone for your break in your 20 minutes, go ahead and go on a walk or um, do some stretching. Like I mentioned earlier, but don't, yeah. Picking up your, Phone on your break time is a bad, 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 bad um, just thing to do. Yeah, we're all guilty of it, myself included. These are definitely notes that I can revisit myself time and time again because we're all just kind of in this same space. We're all together <laughs> making these habits. So it really is. If we can take a step back and realize, you know, I do pick up my phone probably a hundred times a day. <laughs> Let's try to cut it back if we can. Ashley, I'm pretty sure you can look on your phone and you can see how many times. Not going to lie, since I work on my oh. phone, I think it's like five hours, like a day. Like, that sounds, it, it's scary when I look at it. But then I have to tell myself, well, I mean, that is, I'm working on social media. I'm working on different things throughout the day. So it does make sense. And I guess I just have to give myself grace. And that <laughs> you preaching. You absolutely have to, too, because, I mean, really, like you said, this is your this is your business. You know, your business is on your phone. So don't let it stress you out either knowing that you're picking it up a lot because you're probably being pretty productive with it, too. So it's really just making sure that it's not stressing you out is the main thing. So if you're picking up your phone and sometimes people really do use their phone as a stress release. And if that's the case, then that is totally fine. It's just more of more so if you're jumping on your phone and it's stressing you out. Every time yeah. you grab your phone, yeah. then just something to reevaluate. Yeah, being super intentional with what you do on your phone and where you visit and everything like that. Exactly. So the final tip I have here is to implement Reiki. So Reiki is actually a functional healing practice where they use energy channeling to kind of remove energy blockages or negative energies. They do some chakra work. So this is something that it kind of sounds a little out there if you're not familiar with this practice, but it's really interesting in that many conventional hospitals are actually putting this to use. I know Cleveland Clinic down in Ohio, this is, they actually have a branch where they focus on Reiki. So this is really cool. And you can use Reiki to do things like minimize your stress. You can alleviate stress-related symptoms. You can improve digestion. You can even reduce anxiety and depression, um, remove energy blockages from maybe some traumas you have or difficulties you're having in your life. So it's really interesting. I personally had a really good experience with a Reiki practitioner and I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah, my um, masseuse down in Saginaw, if you're from Saginaw Therapeutic Hope, they actually offer that. And I was just talking to her the other day about it. And I was like, hmm, that'd be kind of cool to just try out and just do something that I haven't done. So that, that yeah, that sounds cool. If nothing else, it's just a relaxing like 30 to 60 minutes where you're just laying there peacefully, which I mean, who couldn't like, who doesn't want that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a try. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's really everything I have today. I just really want to let people know that you don't have to identify yourself as a stressed person or consider it really to be one of your personality traits. It really could just be something as simple as, like I mentioned, a nutrient deficiency. Your gut could use some love or maybe you're not eating enough. So really hitting all these points we talked about today and then seeing where you stand from there. Yeah. Now, I'm so happy that you're able to come on and talk about this because um I, I'm not, you know, I'm not the expert in any of these topics that I bring people on, but it's good to bring on the experts and just kind of share their heart on it. Yes, I'm so happy I got to be on here, and I hope this really resonated with a lot of people. I know stress is something that we all can identify with. So, like I said, if anybody has any questions about anything, they are more than welcome to reach out to me at Jill Halliday Wellness on Instagram or JillHallidayWellness.com. Yes, yes. And thank you so much for jumping in and just sharing everything with everybody. And I can't wait to have you back for another good topic. If you have any topics that you really want to hear about when it comes to just health and wellness and holistic health, make sure to um, let me know. Let me know on creativegrace.com, <laughs> creativegrace on Instagram and creative Anna Grace. I just changed my Instagram handle. Um, and just kind of let me know what other topics you want to hear from her. I'm excited for it. And yeah, so thanks for coming on, Jill. Can't wait to have you back. Thanks for having me. All right. Goodbye. Bye.